Masechet Ketubot Daf Yud Gemel. We'll begin with a Mishnah about a dispute regarding Ta'anat Betulim. He omeret mukat ayetz ani, vehu omer loki elat derusat i ishat. We saw this already quoted a couple of dapim ago. Uh, they get married, and uh, after they consummate, he does not find blood, and he comes to court, and he claims, uh, she claims, it's true, I did not admit to him, but the reason is because of mukat ayetz. It was uh, uh, some accident with a piece of wood. That's what broke her bitulim. And he says, no, I don't believe you. I think that you are with a person. Uh, you had be out with a person. And therefore, I want to pay you less. So what, who, would, who do we believe? We're going to see, the Gemara is going to talk about how much would they get paid according to his claim and her claim. Anyway, Rabban Gamliel, Vedabi Eli Ayazid, Omerim Ne'emenet. Rabban Gamliel says that we, but we believe her. Or oh, the reason we saw yesterday, we had a parallel machloket, also oh, same sages, and there explained that she knows for sure of what happened to her. She was there, and therefore we believe her claim to say it was with a piece of wood over his claim. Whereas Rabbi Yoshua says, no, we do not uh, rely on her words. Uh, rather, we follow a chazaka, that it was with a person, uh, until she brings a proof to, uh, to what she says. Uh, because after all, she wants to extract money from him. So therefore, she would have to bring some kind of proof that in fact it was mukatayetz and that it was not with bi'a. All right, that's our Mishnah. Uh, the Gemara is going to be referring to a whole bunch of opinions that we already saw in the previous couple of Dapim. So here's a quick summary of the last two Mishnayot. We just read this Mishnah on 13a. So if we remember, back on 11a, we saw Mishnah that says, if a woman is in fact Mukat Ayetz, and everyone agrees to it, uh, still, what does, how much does she get? Nabi Meir says she gets 200 because she's the same as a Betula. Uh, even though it's true that physically she doesn't have the Hymen, the Betulim anymore, but so what? It was not through Bia with a person. It was just an accident with wood. So she still deserves 200. Rabbanan say, no, we follow the physical point that she does not, no longer has the Betulim. And it, uh, even though it was an accident by wood, it's still not like a like a 200 Betula, but rather it's like an Almana only gets 100. That's what the Mishnah said. We saw one interpretation of the Mishnah, one comment on the Mishnah by Rami Bar Chama that says, all oh, this is only true if he was aware at the time that of, of Kiddushin that she was had uh, uh, her bitulim ruptured by wood, then he would have to pay either 200 or 100. But if he was not aware, she didn't tell him, then he could say, uh, you know, you should have told me, mekach ta'ut, and therefore everyone says zero. Rami Bar Chama's opinion back there was already rejected based on our Mishnah that we just read, because in our Mishnah she claims it was by wood, which means that she must get something uh, when she claims it, and this is a case when he didn't know because he's bring, coming to court after the consummation. Okay, but anyway, Rami Bar Chama still says that. Uh, this is going to come up in our discussion. Now, the previous Mishnah on 12b, that talked about a case of a dispute where she says, uh, both, uh, uh, bo uh, both agree that she was violated, she was raped. She says it was after the Kiddushin. So at the time of Kiddushin, she was honest, and uh, it was against her will after Kiddushin, and therefore, 
she he still has to pay the 200 whereas he says no this happened before the kiddushin and you didn't tell me and therefore i'm not paying the 200 now on that comment uh, on that mishnah rabbi chiyabaravin commented that when if he was not aware then he nevertheless pays uh, uh, pays the one hundred. So uh, so, um, uh, so you don't get you don't go down to zero, but it will be the same as almana, and you still pay a hundred. Okay, so we need that as background uh, because now this case, in in a way, is combining the previous two mishnayot. Mishnah eleven was only by wood. Mishnah twelve was when she has be with a person. The question is after kiddushin, rape uh, after kiddushin or before kiddushin, and this is wood versus. Is it by a person? She claims by wood. He claims uh, that it was by a person. The Rabban Gamaliel accepts hers, and the Bioshua accepts his uh, claim. Okay, so now that we're combining this, we're gonna we're gonna wonder how much would she get if her claim was correct, according to Rabban Gamaliel, and how much would he get according to the Bioshua, who believes his claim. So it was machloket between the Biochanan and the Bieliezer. Biochanan says. She, uh, Rabban Gamliel would award her 200, the Biyosho would award her 100. The Biyosho says, no, the Bangamil would award her 100, and the Biyosho would reward her zero. Okay, so that's what we're about to see. Uh, so according to their claim, how much are they each claiming? It's 100 for if she's right, uh, 200, sorry, 200 if she's right, 100 if he's right. Rabbi Elazar says if we judge in her favor, she gets 100. If it's in his favor, then he does not have to pay anything. All right, let's analyze the essence of this. Rabbi Yochanan, who says uh, 200 or 100, he agrees with Rabbi Meir, who said in the Mishnah on 11, that it doesn't matter whether he knew or not, following that interpretation, not Rami Barchama, that whether he knew beforehand or not, um, that she was a Mukat Aetz, she gets 200. Uh, So Rabbi Yochanan says 200 versus 100, so he sees following the 200, uh, there to be Meir. Rabbi Elazar says, no, if she's Mukat Aetz, that we follow Rabbanan. Rabbanan in that Mishnah said 100, and again, it doesn't matter whether he knew or did not know beforehand against Rami Barchama. So you can see in the colors here, uh, we're rejecting Rami Barchama that if he was not aware, everyone says zero. No, no, even if whether he was aware or not, uh, they have the machloket. Bimira says 200. So that, if we apply that to Mishnah 13, she says, I'm a Mukat Aetz. So if she's right, According to the Bimeir, 200, Rabbi Yochanan follows that. According to the Banan, 100, Rabbi Eli Ezer uh, follows that opinion. Um, or Rabbi El Azad, it should be. Uh, let's fix that. Okay, good. Um, all right, so now we and now we see that their machloket is uh, tied in. Machloket of these two amorim is tied into the machloket tanaim in the mission in the first mishnah. Bishlama de bi elazar lo kamar kere bi yochanan de kamoke la kerabanan. We understand why the bi elazar will not agree with the bi yochanan because the bi yochanan is following the bi meir and the bi elazar says I'm going to follow the banan. They're the majority, so it makes sense why he would say only a hundred. Even if she's right, El Rabbi Yochanan, my Tamalomad, Kirbi El Azar, 
But how come Rabbi Yochanan does not agree with Rabbi Elazar and follow Rabbanan? Why is Rabbi Yochanan limiting himself to follow only Rabbi Meir in giving 200? The answer is, Kasabar kenasah becheskat betula, v'nimsat be'ula yesh la ketuba maneh. The reason is because he agrees that with uh, this uh, statement of Rabbi Chiyabar Avin, that if he was not aware and uh, he finds out afterwards that she was, uh, she, he thought it was a betula, but turns out she was a be'ula, um, even if it's against her will, uh, nevertheless, he pays only a hundred. Uh, so, in this Mishnah, where it is by a person, even if he's right in his claim, he still has to pay a hundred. And so, in that case, if we apply that to here, right, where he says it's a hundred, so in the Mishnah 13 also, if we follow his claim that he says it was by a person, not by wood, he's, he's going to pay a hundred. Well, what's her claim? She says she lost her betulim by wood. Now, if uh, Rabbi Yochanan would agree with Rabbanan that her claim would be a hundred, then their claims would be the same. He's, she says, oh, it's by wood. Uh, I deserve a hundred. He says, by, it was by a person, right? You, someone violated you before Kiddushin. Well, that would be the same as the claim here. And uh, right, according to Rabbi Chiyabarabin, she would still get a uh, hundred. So she's saying a hundred, he's saying a hundred. There's no dispute. That wouldn't make any sense. And therefore, because Rabbi Yochanan thinks that he is claiming a hundred, he must think that she is claiming and deserves two hundred if she's right. And that's why he has to follow Rabbi Meir. Okay, let's see that inside. Uh, they will both be saying a hundred. There'll be no difference between her, his claim and her claim. And so therefore, he must follow the Bimeir to say her claim is 200. All right, so now we understand uh, the relationship between this Mishnah and the one on 11. Uh, well, the previous two. So now let's examine further. Bishlama l'Rabbi El Azad, Hainu dekatane tarte, Chada lapuke midrabi midrami barchama, vechada lapuke midravchia bar avin, marav sheshat. Okay, El Rabbi Yochanan tarte lamali. All right. So here we're going to go back to these uh, various sources. The question here we have is, why do we need two? cases, one on 12b and the one on 13a. Both of them feature machloket between Rabbi Gamliel, who says we believe her, and Rabbi Yoshua, who says we believe him. Right? Why do we need, uh, uh, first of all, we need both of these cases, and this is in addition to the one before here on 11a. So, the uh, according to Rabbi El-Azar, we need this Mishnah here on 13a in order to reject the opinion of Rami bar because here she is claiming it was by wood, which means obviously she gets something, otherwise what would be the point of her claim? Rami bar says she gets zero when he didn't know. This is talking about a case where he didn't know. So for sure he's got to get at least 100, so that's why I need this case to reject Rami bar And I need this Mishnah on 12b, where you have also a parallel machloket, I need this one in order to reject the opinion of Rabbi Chia bar Avin, who says that it's 100.
In this case, he claimed mekach ta'ut. That was the language that was used in this Mishnah. And mekach ta'ut means, uh, I, I want to return this uh, false transaction and pay zero. And that's in fact what Rabbi Elazar thinks. In that case, it's zero. It's all right that when he says it was by a person, that's the same as in this case. When he says it was also, she was violated by a person before the Kiddushin. The same, the same cases. And so it's zero and zero. And therefore, according to Rabbi Elazar, I need both of these cases, uh, that the, even though they're very similar, uh, 12, the one on 12 is to reject the Bichya Barabin, the one on 13 is to reject Rami Bar Chama here. Good. But according to the Biochanan, who agrees with Rabbi Chia Bar Avin, so then why would he need both of these cases? Uh, we understand why he might need um, this one here, the last one. Because uh, even uh, uh, here, she, uh, by would means she gets something, even though he didn't know. So that rejects Rami Bar Chama. Fine, that we know we need this case. But I could just have this case alone, and I would know this is machlok between Bangamalir and Biyoshua about who they believe. What's the point of uh, saying another case that's so similar um, uh, regarding her being violated after Kiddushin or before? That's our question. Why do I need both? And the answer is, I need one to show me how the far-reaching power of Rabban Gamliel, who believes her in all both cases, and I need one to show me the far-reaching power of Rabbi Yoshua, who believes him in both cases. So, Kamaita, uh, the, uh, the the earlier one regarding was she violated before or after Kiddushin. To show us the strength of Rabbi Yoshua who believes him no matter what. In that case, she had a better claim. She could have said and then we would have believed her. Uh, so you might have thought that since she could have said a better claim and we believed her, we would have believed her, then we should also believe her when she makes the claim that uh, it was before the Kiddushin that she was raped. Uh, Even nevertheless, Rabbi Yoshua does not believe her in that case. That's why we need that case. Batraita, the very last, our Mishnah. In this Mishnah, she claims it was by wood. And so there is no Migo. And so you might have thought that even Rabban Gamliel would not believe her. No, he still believes her. So that's how it would be. Yochanan would explain the need for both of these cases. All right. Next Mishnah. If some people saw a woman who was talking to a man, now it doesn't mean just talking. If he's just talking, talk, just talking on the street, then uh, that doesn't uh, uh, violate a law. Even though Perkavot says Alter uh, Okay, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about medaberet. The Gemara is going to ask whether it's talking about that she, what exactly she did um, with this talking. Anyway, uh, so they they are, are, are accusing her of having be out with this guy and they say what who is this guy right what's his background and they and she says this is it's a, this guy this man and he is a kohen meaning he's of good lineage unlike if he was a mamzer and then she was had be out with him then she would be called a zona and not be able to marry a kohen so she's no he's either a kohen or the point is that he's of, of good lineage so i'm not uh, i can still go ahead and marry a kohen 
So what do we believe or not? So again, Rabban Gamaliel and Rabbi Eliezer, like in the previous two Mishnayot, say she is believed. Whereas Rabbi Yoshua says, no, we don't, we don't trust her. We have to assume the worst, that she, uh, that she had bi'ah with someone who is a natin, someone who was um, of uncertain uh, uh, conversion, uh, uh, problematic conversion, who uh, regular Jews not allowed to marry, or mamzer, who also, if a woman is with either of these two men, she is prohibited to a kohen, until she brings some proof that in fact she had bi'ah with someone who was of proper lineage. Okay, that's case one. Case two, ha'ita me'obedet. In this case, not only do we suspect her of having bi'ah, for she for sure had bi'ah because she's pregnant, and we don't know who the father is. Vamru la mativo shel ubarze. And we come to Betin and we ask, you know, what's going on? Who's the father of this fetus? And she says, Mish peloni vechohenhu. This guy is the father. He's of proper lineage. Either meaning a kohen, or the point is, not a mamzer, he's good. Rabban Gamliel, Rabbi Yoshua, Eliezer, Omrim, Nehmenet, she's believed, and therefore the child will be kosher. Rabbi Yoshua, Omer, Lomepianu, Chayin, Ela, Harezo, Becheskat, Meoberet, Lenatin, Ul Mamzer, Ad Shetabir, Ayalid, Vareha, Same. Rabbi Yoshua says, We do not follow her word, she's not credible. Rather, we have to presume that the, the father was a Gibeonite or a Mamzed until she brings proof for her statement. Okay, now let's see the first case. The, when it says, Medabedet, she's speaking to. Not just speaking. My Medabedet. Zedi Amar Nistera. Rabase Amar Nib'ala. Zedi says, it means that she was secluded with this man. They went, they, they saw her go into a private area, and therefore they suspected them of Bi'ah. Rav Amar Niv'ala. So Rav says, no, Medabedet is reference to, meaning that someone saw them actually having Bi'ah, not just secluding, but they actually saw them being together. Okay. Bishlama lezeiri hainu dekatane medabedet. We understand kwanzeiri where uh, it says they were just secluded, so we have a suspicion. That's why it says medabedet, meaning they were speaking intimately together in uh, in a place that's uh, alone. So you could understand that medabedet means secluded. Ela lerav ase my medabedet, but avase says they saw actual bia. Why is it saying medabedet? How does that mean bia? We're using a euphemism. We don't want to say that uh, that uh, they're actually having bi'ah. We just say talking, but that's what we mean. And you see a similar euphemism used in Mishle, where it talks about a woman who e- eats and wipes her mouth and said, I have done nothing. It's not talking about eating, uh, but rather she had uh, illicit relations. And uh, she wipes herself off and gets dressed and it looks nice as if nothing happened. Oh, no, I didn't sin. So you see that um, uh, uh, using one's mouth for eating or speaking uh, can be a euphemism for actual bi'ah. All right, now we're going to challenge um, Zaidi, the one who said seclusion. Uh, sorry, challenge Ravaseh. Uh, the one who said that they actually have bi'ah. Now I understand why I need two different cases in the Mishnah A and B, according to Zaidi, because the first one is when they just secluded. Okay, so then we suspect her, hey, you, who was that guy that you were secluded with? We suspect you had bi'ah, and if it was a prohibited person like a mamzed, then you're going to be prohibited to a kohen. That's one case. Mo'bedet means 
she actually had Bi'av, obviously, because she's pregnant. That second case, by the way, is talking about when she's single. So, you know, she, she uh, otherwise someone who's pregnant, if she's married, we assume that the father is her husband. Uh, we're talking about the case where uh, the, the, she doesn't have a husband, and so then, well, how'd you get pregnant? So we ask her, well, what's going on? What's with the father? So these are two different cases, suspected of uh, uh, be of um, uh, seclusion, uh, seclusion or pregnant. I need both cases. They're different. El where the first case is, we know, we saw she had Bia, and the second case is she's pregnant. Well, it's basically the same thing, because in the second case also, we know she had Bia. We want to know uh, who the guy is. So the answer Ravase can give is We need both cases because the first case we're focusing on what is her status. If she says, oh, I was with a person who was of proper lineage, so then we'll believe her to say that she can nevertheless marry a Kohen. The case when she's pregnant, where we're focusing is on what's the status of the daughter or son that she has. The Mishnah is giving, uh, is giving an example of a daughter, that if she was with a Mamzer, then the daughter also will be a problem, will be a Mamzer, will be unfit. And so we want to know, but if we believe her that she was with someone of proper uh, lineage, then the daughter or son will be also proper lineage. All right, good. All right, fine. This uh, answer that you gave for Rav Aseh, uh, makes sense according to the opinion. There's a machloket about this that says, whatever you say about the mother, if she's kosher, then the child is kosher also. But there's another opinion that says, even according to the one who says that the mother is kosher, still we, have, we are more suspicious regarding the, the, the daughter. Uh, the mother, she, we assume she was okay, she has a chazakah of being kosher person, but the daughter, we don't. Uh, so what are you going to say about that? Okay, the answer is Ravase doesn't have to agree with that opinion. He can agree with the first opinion that says whatever the status of the mother is the same as the status of the daughter. All right. According to Zairi, that says that they're just secluded. And then Rabbi Yoshua's opinion is that we do not believe her, but rather we assume that uh, we, we, we do not believe her. She says it was a kosher person. Rabbi Yoshua says we do not believe her. We suspect that she might have been with a mamzer. Hold on. Didn't Rav say regarding the laws of Sota that um, if a woman is uh, secluded with someone, we give her lashes because, hey, what were you doing? Was that a prohibitive relation? But we do not prohibit her at, uh, from being with the Kohen in the future. So, according to the Biyoshua, we are prohibiting her, assuming she was with the Mamzer, she can't be with the Kohen. But I've said that's not true. Yeah, I mean, we will, we will, um, I give her some punishment of lashes, but not prohibit her in the future. So what do we do about that? Maybe Rav was not, did not agree with Rabbi Yoshua. Rav agreed with Rabbi Gamliel. Or, or we can even say that it is according to Rabbi Yoshua, uh, but it, 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 uh, um, even Rabbi Yoshua, but Rav would agree that 
we do prohibit a woman who was secluded from marrying a Kohen. When he was talking about Enosin Alichud, that was talking about a married woman that even though she had, uh, she was secluded, but we don't know exactly what happened in seclusion, in seclusion, so we'll give her lashes, but we won't prohibit her from going back to her husband. That's what he meant to say. Um, we're not sure, so let her go back to her husband. But when it comes to Yuchasin, lineage, and going and marrying a Kohen, there we are very stringent, and we would not per- permit her to uh, then marry a Kohen. So, in fact, Rav can even be according to the Bioshua. All right, now we're going to have a challenge. Me'etibe. Rebbe says, if some people saw her going into seclusion with some guy, or into a ruin. Um, uh, seclusion would mean like somewhere in the city uh, that they find some, some place to go to. A ruin is outside the city uh, where there's more suspicion. This would be like, you know, going down the highway and finding a motel where it's like, that's why in the world would you go there if not for bi'ah? Uh, so either of these two cases, if we ask her, hey, who is that guy that you were with? And she says, Oh, he's a Kohen, he's my cousin, he's good lineage. They say we believe her, and therefore she's permitted to a Kohen. We do not trust her, but rather we have to assume that it was, the man was an Atina Mamzer and she's prohibited until she brings proof. Okay, so now let's analyze this Braita on the background of what we just saw. Zaidi, who said that Amrishnah is talking about seclusion, Medabere to seclusion. So then this Braita also makes sense. It's right in line with the Mishnah. And the reason why it has two different scenarios, Seter and Khurba, is because both of them are seclusion and wants to teach us that it doesn't matter whether the seclusion happened somewhere in the city. Uh, they went to some uh, office uh, together. Or closed in the office. Okay, but there's less suspicious. Maybe they were working on a project. Maybe not. Um, or a ruin outside the city. Either way, there's two different types of, conclu- of seclusion. The machloket applies to both. So it makes sense to distinguish. El said that the Mishnah was talking about a case of actual bi'ah. So if the witnesses saw actual bi'ah, why does it matter where they saw the bi'ah if it was a hidden place nearby or if it was a hidden place in a ruin? Makes no difference. So one answer is, So reread the Braita, not seted or churba, but rather a, the privacy of a ruin. Well, it's actually one place, just giving an example of where they were together. Um, hold on. But the Braita doesn't say that. You can't just go around t- changing words of a Braita. It says this or that. So we answer. So rather, it is in fact talking about two different places. One would be a ruin that's inside the city. And one would be a ruin that's out in the field. And they're different. Usrichi. So the difference here, we know that the debi'ah. So that's not really a question. The, but the, the difference in location will make a, will, will make a difference in 
who the past who the people around there are so if it's in the city there most people are of kosher status uh, it's within the, the village the neighborhood we know these people and so I might think that only in that case, Rabban Gamliel says, we believe her that it's a kosher person. Because most people in the city are kosher. But if it's out in the field, that's uh, on the highway, there's people coming from all over the place, and most people are not of kosher lineage, though then maybe Rabban Gamliel would agree with Yeshua. So that's why I need that case to tell me that Rabban Gamliel would believe her no matter what, even outside the, even if it was outside the city. Whereas if you told, only told me outside the city, maybe the Yeshua does not believe her only outside the city. If it was in the city where most people are kosher, maybe he would agree that we do believe her. So that's why I need both of those cases. So good. We answered the question according to both of them. We're not going to have one more, and this time conclusive challenge to Rav Aseh. Metibe, we challenge him from a Tosefta. Zo edu chaisha keshera la. Vidabi Yoshua omer enan emenet. So, according to Tanakama, um, when a woman says, I was with this person and he is a kosher guy. This is the type of uh, testimony that we believe her. Rabbi Yoshua says, no, we do not believe her. And so we saw this machloket already in the Mishnah, but here in the Tosefta gives us an extended dialogue between the two. Rabbi Yoshua said, you must agree with me. Don't you agree with me that if a woman is taken captive, and we have witnesses that say, yeah, we saw her taken captive by some non-Jews. And then she comes back, she's finally redeemed, and she says, I'm pure, that I was not violated by my captors. She's not believed, because what kind of captors would not violate the woman that they, they capture? And so, so she, we assume that she was did have bi'a and, and, and with people that are not of good lineage. So to here, we should suspect that she had bi'a, and therefore with people that, that did not have good lineage. Uh, okay, the, so we don't believe her no matter what. Amrullah, so the rabbis say, yeah, we, we agree with the halakha regarding captivity, but there's a big difference. Uh, the big difference between the two, the captives, there are witnesses that she was taken captive, and therefore we assume that this is what happens to captive women. Uh, they are violated. But this woman who had seclusion, there are no witnesses that she actually engaged in bi'ah. She was secluded, but it's not the same situation. If uh, a woman and a man go into into a building together, it's not as suspicious as what we assume happens to women that are in ca- that are taken captive. Malehem de Biyoshua says, Aflazo yesh aidim shereketase ben shineha. This is what he's talking about. This also has witnesses, even if there's no witnesses that have be uh, for bi'ah. Now he's jumping to the second case where she is pregnant. If she's pregnant, then obviously she had bi'ah. So that's even bigger, better testimony that she was with a man than uh, if we know she was taken captive. So we don't believe her. We should not believe her in either case. But the rabbis say, no, when you're taken captive by non-Jews, most non-Jews, we assume, uh, do not follow, do not have, uh, uh, follow sexual morality. And so we assume that they violated her. Whereas, if she was not taken captive, we just see a single woman, she's pregnant, 
uh, we can assume that it was that the father is someone around here who is of good lineage. Amar lahem en apotropos ladayot. But Yeshua says, no, there is no uh, uh, watchman, steward, uh, um, for regarding immorality. His point is that once a single woman uh, goes and is with a man, so it already shows that she is not careful uh, regarding um, uh, regarding sexual morality. And so if she would go and be with a man, then she's not going to distinguish between someone of proper or improper lineage and say, well, I'm only going to uh, I'm only going to have extramarital uh, uh, sex with a proper lineage, not with improper lineage. Once she's doesn't care about one, so though she doesn't care about anything. All right, that is the Tosef. Oh, Tosef that goes on and says, All this machlok that we just said is regarding her herself, whether she is uh, believed or not. Where, where Tanakama, who is also Rabban Gamaliel and Yeshua and the Mishnah, say that she, we believe her to be kosher. But regarding the child, everyone would agree, even Rabban Gamaliel and Yeshua would agree that we're suspicious of the man that she was with. And the child, therefore, is shituki. Shituki means from quiet. When someone asks, who's the father? We're quiet because we don't know who the father is. And therefore, we have to be stringent and treat the child like a mamzer. So even though for, for her herself, we believe her. Uh, for the child, we don't believe her. Okay, we touched on this before. The Gemara is going to bring it up again. But now we want to fill in some of the gaps in this conversation. The, some of the conversation seems to be non sequiturs. They ask about one one case of, uh, uh, and they say, "Wait, but there's no there's no witnesses." And then he, the Yeshua, jumps to the second case regarding pregnant woman, and so they never comes back to the first case. So what's going on? So my kama lehu, my kama hadre le. So we're going to fill in the gaps of the conversation. What did uh, he say to them? What did Yeshua say? And what did they answer him? This is what um, they said to him. Fine, you told us about case B, that she's pregnant. And then, yeah, that would be the same. For, that's like having witnesses that for sure she had bi'ah. But now go back and tell us why you think that someone who only had seclusion you see already from here that if it's distinguished between, distinguishing between mobedet and mobedet and medabedet, that medabedet is only seclusion, right? That follows the ed against ravaseh. That's what we're going to get to. That's the um, that's the proof against ravaseh. Okay. Anyway, they say. So what are you going to say about just the seclusion? How come you don't believe her? I think someone who's in who's seclusion is the same as someone who's taken captive. In both cases, we don't know for sure that they have biyah. But it's very likely. So the rabbis say back, okay, yeah, it is likely, but who are the people that they were with? If she was taken captive, most non-Jews, most people taking people, kidnapping people, uh, are, 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 are loose in their more sexual morality. And we assume that they are going to be with her and they are not, not, not good lineage people. Whereas if a woman is just with some guy, local guy, we can assume that that guy is of good lineage. But he said back to them, Since she already shows herself to be loose in her morals by secluding with someone, we can assume that she's also uh, loose in her morals about who she's going to be with. Uh, 
so there is no guarding over uh, immorality. Once uh, so someone opens themselves up, then we can um, uh, presume, there's no reason not to presume that they, re that they were with someone who was not of proper lineage. All right, so now that we filled in and understand the dialogue, here's our point. You see clearly the distinguishing between which means only seclusion and meobedet where they obviously had bi'ah tiyuftad ravase tiyuftad this completely rejects ravase's interpretation of our mishnah that medabedet means that we saw their bi'ah and not merely seclusion okay good now a further question about rabbi yoshua in this tosefta now that you brought it up brought it up dehatam rov pesulim etzla vachadov kesherin etzla how come he didn't agree with this distinction that in the case of case of cap, a captive woman most of the people around her captors are improper lineage whereas if someone was just in seclusion in the you know uh, nearby then most people are of proper lineage it seems to be a good distinction so it must be misalet that Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, that Rabbi Yosho ben Levi is an Amora, uh, that uh, this the, this opinion of Rabbi Yoshua in the Mishnah would support the, what the Amora Rabbi Yosho ben Levi said. Amar Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, the Devarim Machshir Machshir Afilu Berov Pesulim, the Posel Posel Afilu Berov Kesherim. That if you follow the Tanakama that say that we believe her, we're going to believe her no matter what, even if it's a place where most people are improper lineage. And according to the one who's Posel, that's Rabbi Yosho, we're going to he's going to not believe her no matter where it is. Uh, so in other words, according to Rabbi Yosho ben Levi, we don't make a distinction about the who the local population is or if they're captives uh, but rather if uh, we either believe her or don't believe her and we don't take into account the people that are around all right good we made reference earlier to this machloket but here's the source according to Biochanan, if you believe her um, regarding herself, this is, I was with proper lineage, therefore I can marry a Kohen, then we will also um, uh, believe her regarding her daughter, that her daughter is of proper lineage. And according to the Yoshua, who says we do not believe her for herself, we also do not believe her for her daughter, and she, both, uh, her, both she and her daughter will not be able to marry uh, Kohanim, uh, or uh, within lineage. Rabbi El-Azhar Omer, L'divra Machshir Ba, Posel Bibita. Rabbi El-Azhar disagrees with Rabbi Yochanan and says, um, he, according to the one who says that she, you believe her for herself, but we do not believe her for the for the daughter, meaning according to Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi El-Azhar, who do believe her and she can marry a Kohen, but the child not. Now, Rebbe Yochanan makes sense. If we believe her, we believe her. If not, not. But, so what's the reason for Rebbe Elazar? Amar Abah, my time at Rebbe Elazar, Bishlama ihi ihi itla chazaka de kashrut. Bita letla chazaka de kashrut. For regarding herself, she has a prior status quo of being kosher. She's a, She was born kosher. She's of kosher lineage. And so, unless you could bring a proof that she was with uh, Mamzer or something, then we presume that she continues the same status, whereas the child is now born, has no prior record, no prior status, and therefore there's no reason to assume that she is kosher, uh, that the child is kosher, therefore the child is not considered kosher. That's the, the reasoning. Okay, now, question. 
Rabbi Elazar, who says that we don't trust the child, as Rabbi Yochanan, we have a Braita, that is the end of the Braita that we just, the, the, the long Tosefta that we just said, says that when uh, do we say that there's a Machloket and Raman Gamal and Rabbi Yoshua say we believe her, that's only regarding her for her own status. But her, her testimony regarding her child, everyone agrees, even Raman Gamaliel and uh, Rabbi Yoshua agree. Rather, even Rabban Gamaliel and Rabbi Eliezer will agree with Rabbi Yoshua that the child is considered Shetuki. So that means we believe her for herself, but not for her child. So Rabbi Eliezer says, see, I'm right. We believe her for herself, but not for the child. Um, uh, what, how are you going to respond to that, Rabbi Yochanan? My love, Shetuki upasul. If we say the child is a Shetuki, doesn't Shetuki mean we assume the worst? And therefore, we treat her like a mamzer, and she can't re- can't marry anyone. And we say, no, it's true that we don't know who the father is, um, so we're quiet about when we ask who the father is, but they could still be of proper lineage. So it's very strange. How could that be? If we don't know who the father is, don't we have to suspect that it's the worst? How can you have a shituki who's kosher? Mika shituki kasher in Kiddush Mo'el, you can have a case, not every case, but some cases would be. For example, you had 10 Kohanim standing around, and one of them walks away from the group and uh, has bi'ah with a woman. And then he goes back. And now we don't know which of these 10 Kohanim. They're all of proper lineage, and we don't know who the father is. So the child is a Shituki because we don't know who the father is. But we know for sure that the father is of good lineage and a Kohen. Kohen basically means of good lineage. And so this would be a Shituki who is proper. And so that's uh, Rabbi Yochanan said, says we can be talking, Tosefta could be talking about that case. So I can answer, I can uh, reconcile myself with the Tosefta. Okay, my shetuki in general, what does this shetuki mean? I mean, or what's the consequences of a she, being a shetuki? If it means that we silence him from inheriting his father. Uh, right? He says, oh, who's, who's, uh, who gets this inheritance? Sorry, you don't get it. Uh, of course, that's obvious. We don't know who the father is. So even if you had 10 Kohanim and one of them is the father, this child cannot claim an inheritance from anyone. Rather, what's the consequences in this case? If, if, if he knows his father is one of 10 of these Kohanim, that we do not allow him to serve as a Kohen. Uh, why not? You might think it's fine. So in this case, see, Kohanim really literally means Kohanim. That they are in fact Kohanim, but now, and even though the child is for sure his father is a Kohen, nevertheless his son cannot serve as a Kohen. He and his descendants, this is said to Aharon, will be um, an everlasting covenant. This is regarding Pinchas, Parashat HaShavua, right? That he's going to be a Kohen uh, for, forever. So, it says, since it says, Lo only if you know who the father of the child is, then it passes on, the, the Brit of Kehuna passes on to that child. But if you don't know who the father is, even if you know it has to be a Kohen, no, you need more certainty in order for the Brit of Kehuna to be able to pass on to the father. Baruch Adonai Amen ve'amen.